Are you reaching someone? Reaching somebody for the Lord. Well, I think the kids are being dismissed now for uh, Youth Alive. And uh, as they're dismissed, I'll have you open up your Bibles to that same passage we just read from in 1 Corinthians chapter number 13. And uh, last week we, uh, we began and looked at a message uh, on the external mirrors, the mirrors that are on the external, that all they show is the external, what's on the outside. And, uh, you know, it was just, it was a warning uh, that we all need to be so careful that we uh, are not so concerned about what is just on the exterior, what's just on the exterior, um, that we forget that God is also concerned what's on the inside, too, what's on the inside. And it's not that it doesn't matter what's on the exterior, amen? Um, it does matter. It does matter. But if we're not careful, we can get sucked into that old thoughts that, you know, what matters is fashion, is design, or what matters is, uh, is what this person is wearing, or what this person has, or the latest car, or the latest uh, boat, or the latest house, or the latest paint color. I don't know what it is. I mean, there's just so many things to be consumed with in this world, isn't there? I mean, the world, uh, if there's any, if there's, this world has so much to offer that is out there. It says, here, take this, or, or do this, or, or, or have fun with this. There's, there's so many things that the world can distract us with, and if we're not careful, we'll get uh, so consumed with the outside that we'll forget that uh, the Christian life is uh, a spiritual race, is a spiritual battle that is within our hearts, and that that spiritual battle should manifest it out outside on the uh, manifest itself on the outside also also what is living on the inside uh, should be apparent also on the outside of our lives today we're going to be back on this subject of mirrors on mirrors and I want us to turn there there in 1 Corinthians 13 and I want us to notice a verse here towards the end of the chapter that maybe uh, if you were uh, not paying attention too much or just kind of glossing over it, you might miss a little bit, especially with all the other things that he says about love. For in verse number 12, it says this, For now we see through a glass. Remember what I said last week, that that word glass means a mirror. And in the Word of God, you'll find that word several different times, and it means mirror. We see through a glass, darkly, dimly, not fully exposed yet. It's not something that is uh, we're seeing fully, for he says. But then face to face, speaking of our eternal home one day, Lord willing. Now I know in part, but then shall I know even also as I am known. Now abideth faith, hope, and charity, these three, but the greatest of these is charity. I want to share with you this morning that I believe that God's love is an excellent mirror for our lives. God's love is an excellent mirror for our lives. Some say that a mirror never lies. Well, that might be true unless you're in a magic show or you're walking through a fun house. You know, you've uh, walked through those fun houses before where, uh, you know, you, uh, you of us that are uh, somewhat of a, I should say, of, of us that are a little bit vertically challenged, uh, we appreciate, you know, we come to that one that is, uh, that makes us look about 10 feet tall, right? 
uh, and, and you've got the other ones that make you uh, shrink down uh, to just uh, about two feet tall. Then you got the ones that make you look really wide, and you got the ones that make you look uh, have a huge head and some huge feet. But uh, there's some funny mirrors out there, no doubt about it. But there's also most mirrors that you have in your house or wherever you're at. Uh, they're telling the truth. And if you went around to, and if you didn't like what you saw in those mirrors at your house, and you, you decided, you know what, I don't like what I see in the mirror. And so you went around with a blanket and you covered up all the mirrors in your house. Would it change anything about what you're seeing? No, it wouldn't. It wouldn't change anything at all. You, you can't cover up a mirror. You can't take a hammer and smash a mirror and say, I don't like what I see. Well, the mirror is just simply a reflection of what is on the other side. There was an old man back in the sticks. I mean, he was way back in there. He had never seen a mirror in his whole entire life. And one day he was uh, rummaging around at some cell and uh, he picked up a mirror and he looked at himself and it looked at it and he said, wow, that's a picture of my old pappy. Wow, I, I hadn't seen him in a long old time. And he took that uh, picture of his pappy, which is a mirror in reality, took it home and he went up to his attic and he stuffed it up there and, uh, and, and put it away, put some things behind it and said, I'm going to hold on to this. This is something very special. His wife, being the nosy uh, one that she was, watched him the whole way. And as she did, she walked up the stairs and went into the attic herself and tried to figure out what her husband was hiding up there. He, she picked up that mirror, and she had never seen one either. And she looked in it, and she said, ah, there's the old hag he's been hanging around with. You know, mirrors don't lie. They don't lie, okay? And though you might think it says one thing, uh, and you might think, well, this is really what it is, it should be saying, it doesn't change the fact that, uh, that it is what it is. The love of God is, should be an excellent reflection, though, of three simple facts of our life. Three simple facts that I want to share with you this morning about how God's love is a mirror in our life. Number one is this, is that God's love shows to us our real motives. Shows us our real motives. Shows us our intentions, shows us what we're really made of, shows us what we're really going after. God's love also not only shows us our real motives, but it shows us our true character. Shows us our true character. And then it shows us finally our, our eternal future. Our eternal future. It shows us our true intentions for in verses number 1 through 3. Notice what he says. He says, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels... And if I don't have charity, let me just go ahead and put this in a modern vernacular here. I might as well go around beating pots and pans together. That's what tinkling cymbals and that's what uh, sounding brass is. He said, you can have a golden tongue. You can be as, a, as a great of an orator as anybody else. And you can go around and, uh, and speak and preach. And, 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 and people can ooh and awe over the sound of your voice. And, I mean, there's some preachers out there. Don't get me wrong here. But, I mean, their voice is just so smooth. I mean, I mine's a little crackly sometimes. It's got the southern drawl that goes with it every once in a while. It betrays me. I understand that, you know. I was preaching one time, and my mother-in-law looked at me real funny. And I said, what was you looking at me funny? She said, I couldn't understand what you were saying. 
She was like, you kept talking about something that was on the, sea, on the seashore, on the seashore, on the seashore, on the, something on the shore. I said, sure, yeah. I was talking about, are you sure of your salvation? Sure of your salvation, you know? And uh, she said, no, it's sure. It's sure. I said, well, that's how Yankees say it, but you know, that's not how you say it in North Carolina, you know? And some of them, I mean, their voice is just so mellow, it's so smooth, it's just something I could listen to for hours. And, and he says, but you can have the smoothest talking voice, you can have the exactly what, the, have the words put in the exact right place, and, but if you don't have charity, he says, it's nothing, it's worthless, it's no value, no value at all. See, charity judges are... It judges our intentions. It judges our motives. Why are you speaking? Why are you talking? Why are you saying what you're saying? Why are you giving the advice that you're giving? Why are you speaking up? What's the purpose of it? Is love behind that? You see, the Bible is always written with an eternal perspective. It has an eternal perspective that has behind it. There is much information in the scriptures, no doubt, about the here and now. But all the hearing now that he gives to us, all the info that is given to us in the Bible about what we should and should not be doing is only for the fact that that we might understand it, assimilate it, and then apply it to our lives for eternal purposes, eternal rewards, eternal reasons. When you have this information in your heart and your mind, you serve God not for the hearing now, you serve God with eternal perspective, eternal perspective. Do you pray that way? If you don't pray without love, it's useless. If you don't sing without love, it's of no account. It's of no good. Because love judges, the love of God judges your motives. Notice what else he says. He says, though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith, so that it could remove mountains, I have, I have not charity. Can anybody read the next three words with me? You want to read it out loud? Here we go. What does it say? Thank you, Caleb. I'm glad one. I'm glad. Yet all of these things, if you, if you don't have charity, what does it say? I am nothing. I'm not. It judges you. The love of God shows to you your actual and real intents in life. If you have the gift of prophecy, if you understood every mystery there was out there to understand about the Word of God, if you could honestly say this morning, I understand everything in the Bible. Now, I've never met anybody that could say that. All right? But if you were able to say that, but you don't have love, it's nothing. It's nothing. There's not going to be any eternal reward for that. There's not going to be any eternal uh, prospects just because you know it all. Or just because you've got all faith. Or just because you can remove mountains. And he says in verse 3, And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I uh, give my body to be burned, and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. you realize that you could give to charity and not have charity? You ever thought about it like that? I mean, you could give to charity and not have charity. And if you give to charity and don't have charity, guess what? It doesn't do anything for you. It might have got you a, a, a tax receipt, you know what I mean, or something like that, maybe. But we're not talking 
This whole series that we're looking at on these things of mirrors, understand this, is that, it, it, is that we're trying to get our focus off the external and we need to put them off of the temporal and get them on the eternal. That's where we're living at. We live for the eternal. I hate the statement that sometimes is rehearsed in front of in people's mouths that say, he's so heavenly minded, he's no earthly good. My friend, if you are more heavenly minded, then you would be more earthly good. The more heavenly minded we are, the better we are upon the face of this earth. And the better we can act, the better we can relate, the better that we can uh, uh, respond to situations and live out the scenarios of our life. The love of God reveals to us, and it should reveal to us, why we do the things that we do. And when we don't have the love of God, it does nothing for me. In fact, when you don't serve God and you don't live your life as a Christian according to the love of God, then you'll find yourself becoming weak and tired and wore out. You will do things for the wrong reasons. And as such, you will either quit, fail, sin, or worse, become prideful. When we don't operate in the mode of love, the love of God, an excellent mirror for our life. Jesus said, love the Lord thy God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Jesus said, love thy neighbor as thyself. Paul wrote to us under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God. He said, women, love your husbands. And love your children. He told the husbands, Husbands, love your wives. And cherish and nourish your children. The scriptures taught us and teach us to love our enemies. The Bible tells us all of these things because we ought to serve God with an eternal perspective that life is about the as life is about eternity. Romans chapter number 13, the Bible says very plainly about the love of God. It says in verse number 8, Owe no man anything, but to love one another. For he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. For this, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, thou shalt not covet. And if there be any other commandment, it's briefly comprehended in this saying, namely, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Love worketh no evil to his neighbor, therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. You want to test your motives? You want to test your intentions? You want to test what you're really all about? Measure it up to the love of God. It's an excellent mirror. Next, we see this, is that not only is the love of God an excellent mirror for our motives, but it's also an excellent mirror for our character. He goes on in this text here in verse number, chapter number 13, and he moves to this list of 15 different things. I was kind of blown away when I went through and I counted it out myself, and I thought, how many qualities of love are there here? There's 15. How many of you read this at your wedding? Anybody at all? You may read this at their wedding. Okay, yeah. It's a popular wedding thing. Problem is this, is that oftentimes we get married and we read 1 Corinthians 13, and then we really don't follow what 1 Corinthians 13 says. I mean, if every believer uh, in Christ followed 1 Corinthians 13 in their marriage, I would, guess what? You'd never have a broken marriage. Never one time. None of us would. But what's the problem? All of us break 1 Corinthians 13. We all do it. And that's 
the first step, I think, for us all is to admit that we do. That all of us do not love like we ought to love. We don't love as we ought to love. 1 Corinthians chapter number 13, verses 4 through 7. I've never thought about it like this. But when I studied it out, and I'm not trying to be too, too I'm not trying to be a downer this morning so much, but these are some of the most condemning verses in the Bible. You would think that the chapter of love, you know what I mean, would be the most affirming, uplifting, great, exciting, exhorting chapter in the Bible. But when you really apply it to your life, 1 Corinthians chapter number 13, especially verses 4 through 7, are some of the most condemning, harsh, and hard to repair and to get implanted into our lives. The love of God will determine and will show to us and reveal our actual motives. Can you just hold on for a roller coaster ride for just a second here? All right. He says charity will suffer as long. That means charity is patient. That means if you're not showing the love of God, that means you're not being what? Patient, okay? So if you're not patient, if you weren't patient this morning, then guess what? The love of God was not showing out in your life. It's a, it's a character revelation to you. You know what? I'm not being the person, patient person that I'm being. I need God's love to shine through me more so that I can be more patient. Uh, kind. It, kind means benevolent. It means, I found I always found this very interesting, is that the word kind is also translated in our, in our scriptures as useful. Useful. And you find people that don't love and don't have a desire to love or have the love of God showing out through them, they don't have a desire to be useful. They don't want to be used. They don't want anybody to bother them. They don't want anybody to get in their way. They don't want anybody to stop them from what they're trying to accomplish and what they're trying to do. Uh, they're uncaring. They're uncompassionate. That's what the mirror of the love of God reveals to us. When we're not this way, when we're uncaring, when we're uncompassionate, then we're not measuring up to the love of God that He set for us in His Word. Charity envieth not. Uh, that means it's not envious, it's not covetous, it's not jealous. But when we are envious, jealous, or covetous, covetous, what are we revealing to ourselves? What? That we're not loving God like we ought to love. Charity vaunteth not itself. Charity is not arrogant. It's not boastful. It's not uh, self-promoting. Amen. Don't, do we live in a world that's self-promoting? I mean, how many of you, don't raise your hand. Oh, goodness gracious. Uh, how many of you have a co-worker that's self-promoting? I mean, I mean, they're just self-promoting. That's all they are. They're just always about self, self, self. And we have all about self-promotion, self, self. They have books. You know, they have books out there that teach you how to promote yourself better. You know what I mean? I mean, it's, it's all out there. How to promote yourself better. But what does that produce? Arrogance, pride. It produces boasting. And showing to us that the love of God is not being revealed in us like it ought to be. He is not puffed up. Uh, I've got some chickens in the backyard, and man, they, I mean, whenever you get a new chicken, okay, and the old chickens are there, uh, you've got you've got some that, that they, 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 they that, that's what this word comes from, puffed up. They literally puff themselves up. They get bigger than they really are. And I mean, I mean, they're ready to fight. Their neck flares out. I mean, they're, they are puffed up. Uh, Pixie, uh, my little 
my little dog, uh, not mine actually, it's my daughter's, I never claimed that as my dog, so, uh, but my little daughter's dog, Pixie, uh, will uh, find a possum or a skunk or a raccoon every once in a while, and, 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 and that, and that, 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 that varmint will, will, will rear itself up, it will look bigger than it really is to try to scare off and ward off uh, that little rascal dog of, of ours. Hey, that's proud. I mean, are we proud? We rear ourselves up. We make ourselves look bigger than we really are, you know? That's an example of not having the love of God in our hearts. Uh, Does not behave itself unseemly. That means that true love of God in our hearts is cordial and it's appropriate. Uh, Have you ever met somebody that's totally inappropriate? I mean, they're just inappropriate. I mean, there's not, you can't, it's like, you, you can only take them somewhere twice, right? I mean, the first time they offend them, the second time you got to take them back to say you're sorry. You know what I mean? That, I mean, that's the only, you can only take them somewhere twice. That's it. I mean, they're just so inappropriate. I mean, everything that comes out of their mouth, you're like, man, oh no, what are they going to say? <laughs> no. I mean, can they just keep their mouth shut for a little bit, please? They're inappropriate. Uh, when we're inappropriate, uh, we show to ourselves that we're rude, we're untimely. The world of God needs to be revealed in us, folks. When God's love is in us, He says, will not seek your own. You will deny yourself. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. We need to follow the example of Jesus Christ in Acts chapter 10 and verse number 38 where it says how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good. Let me just stop there. He went about doing good. That was his character. That was because he had the love of God bound up in him. He was not seeking his own. He was seeking the help of others. And when you're not like that, life is all about you. It's not easily provoked. When the love of God is not being expressed in us like it ought to be, is that we become easily irritated, frustrated, and upset over every little thing that comes into our life. Every little thing. I mean, we don't make a stoplight and we're fuming at the mountain, you know, fuming, you know what I mean? What have you just expressed to yourself? The mirror of the love of God has popped up right in front of you, and not because you pulled it, pulled it down because the sun's too bright or anything like that, okay? But the mirror of the love of God has popped up in front of you and said, pointed you out and said, you know what? You're not experiencing and showing the love of God. You're too upset, you're too frustrated, you're too irritated with life. Not easily provoked. And I'll just be honest with you, that's the one that gets me sometimes, okay? I mean, it just gets me. And I've got to have that revelation. We've got to be shown. Hey, you're not you're not experienced, you're not showing the love of God. Thinketh no evil. Well, you say, well, how can we never think an evil thought? Well, you know, let the love of God be manifested in you. But in reality, what that word is actually saying is this, is that is that uh, that you don't take account of evil of people's lives. What does that mean? That means if Caleb uh, does me wrong by something, is that five years from now, I don't bring it up and be like, hey, Caleb, you know, you know, no, I can't trust you with that. No, you put it to side. He asked for forgiveness. He said, even if he doesn't, as a Christian, I'm supposed to forgive. I'm not to take evil into account. 
I'm not to rejoice over evil. Man, don't we have a lot of that going on? Man, people are just people are giddy about evil. People are happy about evil. People are excited about evil. I mean, you find uh, you find a, a, a government or a, or a legislature in another in another town or a city, or you see it on the news, and, and some and some uh, uh, some immoral or ungodly law is passed, and, and people oh, they woo, they cheer, they're excited because something that now was illegal and that actually did go against God's word. Now, wow, now we can do it again. I mean, now we're excited again. I mean, the parades and the parties, you can uh, go back and see in history that they threw when they ended Prohibition. I mean, people were so excited. I mean, they were already drinking and everything, you know what I mean, illegally during that time. But still, now it's legal. And woohoo! yes, now we can do it again. Illegally, if you will. Uh, they did that when marijuana, marijuana laws were passed. I mean, yes, sir, yes, it's passed. You know, uh, toke them up. I mean, light them up. I mean, light around the streets. Uh, every time. That, but true love of God in us, it doesn't rejoice over evil. It doesn't rejoice in iniquity. When somebody tells an off-color joke at work, we don't laugh about it. When we see something on TV that's wrong or ungodly, that's sensual or immoral, uh, we don't laugh about it. We don't get into that. We don't rejoice over that. We say, no, that's wicked. I don't want to do that. I don't want to see that. But rather, he says, it rejoices in truth. And you obviously see this. I've seen this in people's lives and so have you. That people that don't take pleasure in God, they don't live for the Lord, they don't have anything for, they don't want to do anything for God, guess what? They say, you know what? I the love of God is not being manifested. That beareth all things. Uh, it, the love of God is able to take rebuke and insult patiently and calmly. I mean, when someone rebukes you or insults you, what do you do? It's a mirror of the Lord. It's a mirror of the love of God. Believeth all things. When you don't believe all things, what happens? This you're pessimistic. You're cynical. You you, you don't hope for the best. You know, you always think life is a catastrophe and everything's going to fail. You never think that anything's ever going to turn out in life, right? I mean, we can get that way. What are we showing to ourselves? Guess what? Love of God's not being manifested in us. Hope with all things. When you're not this way, you're depressed, you're anxious. Endureth all things. You give up in the midst of trials. Tough times. You give up, give out, give in. <sighs> I'm tired of just talking about all those things. I'm already condemned. But what is it? You know what? I read that verse and I feel like a pimple-faced teenager, you know what I mean, waking up in the morning. You know what I mean? I just, I, I just, I say, this all the blemishes, all the blemishes, all the problems, you know? It's like whenever I had my accident and then a tree fell on my face and I can remember looking at myself about, it's never bad that, that, that day of, it's always bad like two days later, you know that, whenever you have an accident. And you look at yourself, and I look like a dinosaur, man. I mean, I had like a, like a cranium, big old fat lip, and my nose was two times the size it was. You know what I mean? I just looked, I looked wretched. I looked horrible. And I thought, man, you look ugly. I was looking at the mirror. You are ugly. And you know what? When we read this, uh, we're, we're able to see the areas of blemishes in our life. And say, you know what? I'm not measuring up. I, I am not. God's love is revealing to me that I need some work. I need some help. I need some help. 
And that's good. And we ought to. We ought to be uh, working to live in harmony to the demands of the love of God. Finally, we see this as we close this morning, is that the love of God, it reveals to us our true character, our real motives, but it finally reveals to us our eternal future. It reveals to us where we're going one day. For it says, charity never faileth. Whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. What is Paul teaching them here? He's teaching them that, uh, that these Corinthians were really focused, I mean, they got so focused on the externals that they were all concerned about their spiritual gifts, about speaking in tongues and their prophecies and all these kinds of things. They were concerned with the wow factor. Amen. Don't, we have churches like that today uh, that are all concerned about the wow factor. I mean, uh, all about the miracles. It's all about the tongues, or it's all about the smoke coming up from the stage. Even I mean, we're got to worry about if if we can't. I mean, if we can't speak in tongues, I mean, we'll create energy, if you will. You know what I mean? We'll we'll we'll, we'll blast them out. You know what I mean? I was in one church, and uh, I'll never forget. Uh, I was walking in. Uh, we weren't there for a service. We were there for something else. And I was walking in, and I looked in the back there, and it said, uh, "said uh, free, please take one." And there were earplugs. You know, uh, for the church, you know, you know, music a little too loud. You know, just grab me some earplugs. You know what I mean? Get them, get them, get them put, put, put in and everything. Uh, uh, but uh, you know, if, if we can't, if we can't get the spirit of God here, I mean, we'll we'll do whatever we can. You know what I mean? We all got to be so careful with this. I mean, the disciples. I believe what Jesus is, or what Paul is warning about here, is a really a rehash of what Jesus told the disciples. The disciples were so excited, the 70, I should say, were so excited when they got back after their commission. They came back, they said, Jesus, even the spirits, even the devils obey us. They were so excited about this. They were so happy about this. And Jesus says to them in in Luke 10, 20, he says, notwithstanding, rejoice not in this, but rejoice in this. That the he says, but rather rejoice that your names are written in heaven. He says, rejoice in that, live up to that, and it is a fact of life. Either your name is written in the book of life or it is not. For the Bible says in Revelation twenty fifteen, whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into love into the lake of fire. But guess what? God's love can change that. God's love is what sent Jesus Christ to a cross. God's love is what put him, is what held him there. God's love is what put our Savior on full display for the world and the devils and for everybody else to see that he died on a cross, he shed his blood for our sins, that he was buried in a tomb, and that three days later that he rose again from the dead. But God commendeth his love towards us, and that while we were yet sinners, what? Christ died for us. You see, it is Christ's love in us. It is Christ's love, or excuse me, God's love being shown to you and to me that we are sinners, that we need a Savior, that He sent a Savior, and that He's died for us, shed His blood for us, buried for us, rose again for us, and that that love, that love that God has shown to us, now we can receive it and say, you know what? I believe. I believe. I believe in the Son of God. He says, when I was a child, I spake as a child, I understood as a child. I thought as a child. When I became a man, I put away childish things. What is he saying? 
He's telling us, you know what? Life is not any long. Life is no longer about uh, schoolyard games. Life is no longer about who's taller, bigger, faster, stronger, more handsome, prettier. Life is not about the superlatives in the back of your high school yearbooks. Okay. Better remember, do they still do superlatives anymore? Probably not. It's probably, you know, that's, you know, not inclusive. Not inclusive enough. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. Woke society has said, no, we can't do superlatives anymore. So, anyhow, the thing is this is that life, and you know what's the sad thing is this is that, is that the majority of people, don't grow out of thinking about thinking about life through high school superlatives. That's really scary. It's one thing for a high schooler to make a judgment on who's the prettiest, who's the homecoming queen, who's the homecoming king, who's the who's the funniest guy in our class. You know, who's the most mischievous? Who's the most? Who's the? Who's the? Who's the? The smartest? Who's going to be the most successful? You know, it's one thing for eighteen-year-olds to think like that. You know what I mean? But what happens is that people that are 35, 45, 55, 65 sometimes still are thinking that's what matters about life. And that's sad. And as Christians, we are being taught here that we need to grow out of that and realize that the real mirror for our life, what we really need to measure up is not who's the prettiest, the tallest, the richest, Amen? The most successful. We need to measure up to the love of God. That's our measuring stick. That's where it is. And God, in His grace, has already given to us His Son, Jesus Christ the Lord. He has given to us so that we can see His love and be saved. I was once blind, but now I see. I was once lost, but now I'm found. God's love sought me out. It found me, and God has saved me. Christian, let me ask you this. When was the last time you examined yourself in the mirror of the love of God? When was the last time you took God's love, 1 Corinthians 13, and measured yourself up to that? And if you're here today without Jesus Christ, Do you see that God loved you so much that he would send his son Jesus to die for you? Do you see this mirror that's being held up in front of you right now of God's eternal love that is so great and so awesome so amazing that he would send his son to die for you? Christian, do you see that mirror? Are you reminded of that mirror on a daily basis? That God loved you so much that he sent his son Jesus to die for you. And that you as a believer in Christ Jesus the Lord should now live in his love. Love thy neighbor as thyself. Love your enemies. Love the Lord thy God with all your heart soul mind. May God help us to look into the mirror of God's eternal love. Father, we're thankful.